Thanks so much to Blinkist for supporting the Apple Bits XL. Fit more listening and reading into your life with key takeaways from the best nonfiction books. Get a free seven-day trial at Blinkist.com slash AppleBits. That's Blinkist.com slash AppleBits with a Z. All right, let's get to the show. AppleBits Nation, assemble! What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the Apple Bits XL. Brian Tong here, your host with the most Captain Asian America in the house. Hey, this is for all the good and bad inside the world of Apple. You know it's Avengers Endgame Week. Huge, huge. No spoilers here, but uh, I have seen it as of opening day, which was Thursday or opening night. I've seen it three times already in Dolby Cinema, in IMAX. I suggest you both see it in both, but I honestly, if there's an actual, real, true IMAX theater at your uh, where you live, it was shot natively in IMAX. You got to see it in that way. Typically, I'm always Dolby Cinema, but for this one, you got to see it in IMAX. Also, was fortunate enough to go to the world premiere, so yeah, I feel really lucky, but it's amazing, and that's all you need to know. All right, let's jump into the show. It is episode 63. Let's get to the orders of business. First of all, the show is all about you all. Call in at 833 ABXL, that's 833-888-2295 for any of your comments, reactions, suggestions, questions. That's where you go. Look, everyone is transitioning to voice memo, so that hotline number, I'm going to be honest with you, it might be going away pretty soon. I'll see if the shift changes, but right now everyone is sending me their voice memos. All you got to do is use the voice memo app on your phone, Apple Bits Show at gmail.com that's apple bits with a z they sound better and keep it around a minute to two minutes tops get right to it and uh we'll keep on rolling all right we've got that all out of the way let's get in the show there's a couple big significant enough stories nothing like tons and tons of stuff but the rumor mill is on fire and whenever a company specifically partners with on leaks and releases the newest renders based on what they say are the CAD designs of the iPhone 11, you start paying attention. So Indian blog, Kashkaro, spelled Kash, K-A-R-O, you can check them out and see their latest renders of the iPhone 11 and iPhone 11 Max, showing a side-by-side comparison, and it's time to truly accept it, which what I have already accepted is that triple lens camera with that ugly patch square box on the back it is just absolutely fugly to me. It's It looks like it's going to be part of the design. Now, both new iPhones still going to stick with the same screen size, 5.8-inch and 6.5-inch OLED screens for the iPhone 11 and 11 Max. Let's just call it that for now. We don't know if that's the official name. The thickness of each device is said to actually increase a little bit. It'll increase to 8.1 millimeters and 7.8 millimeters, respectively, both the current iPhone XS and XS Max are 7.7 millimeters thick. The actual body is expected to be thicker, but the camera protrusion is expected to be a little thinner. So that overall change in thickness might kind of be negligible, honestly, but it is expected to be uh, 0.1 or 0.2 millimeters thicker. Now, also, we know about this triple rear lens camera system. That third one is expected to be an ultra wide lens to kind of look we've seen it in the samsung galaxy s10 for the super wide lens to really help out with uber ultra panoramic shots 
or the ability to, when you take a picture, get that really ultra-wide view that gives you more context. And I'm curious if that selfie camera that they have is going to also be a little wider angle as well. We'll see. We don't know. But the Samsung Galaxy S10 already has that unlock. The renders also suggest that the mute switch on these new 2019 phones will be a circular shape. It'll be kind of like a pill shape, the little circle that's similar to what you'd find on older generation iPads. And it'll move, it'll, it looks like it'll move up and down. It won't go left to right. We'll see. But that's what the render suggests. They look really good. Quite honestly, if these are based on the CAD designs that have been acquired by OnLeaks, which they have, that's Steve Hemistoffer. He's pretty much been on the money the past three or four years. So I'm going to give it to them. This looks like this is it. So you could check out all that information. When we also talk about the design and how, how kind of gross it comes off to me as, it's gross. I mean, Apple's design, quite honestly, hasn't really... Let us let me think of the last few products or decisions that they've made. It started with, obviously, the battery case, which was gross. We have the notch in the iPhone, which kind of matches the bump in the battery case. The other two new products that they really have designed for a long time has been the Apple Watch, which I'm personally a fan of. I like the design of it. I don't... I knew they're not going to go circular anytime soon because of iOS, and they're trying to kind of keep that feel. I'm okay with the Apple Watch design, although a part of me would like to see a circular one in the future. We'll see if it happens. It probably won't just because of how they want their apps to scale and be similar on on all the different hardware they have. Uh, The other product they have, Apple AirPods. I still think they're a little ugly. I think people are getting used to them. They're They're getting over that. They're super functional-ish, hopefully more functional uh, with the next story. But I don't know if you say they've hit really hit anything out of the park from a design standpoint. I don't know. What do you all think? Do you think that Apple needs help with design? Because this latest story, according to the Wall Street Journal, is that Apple has this really tight-knit industrial design team under Johnny Ive that's about two dozen people deep. Three longtime employees are leaving that team Rico Zorkendorfer, Daniel De Ulis, and Julian Honig, they're all leaving in the next few months. They've worked a combined 35 years for Apple and Johnny Ive, according to the Wall Street Journal. Now, one of the three, Zorkendorfer, he told Wall Street Journal that he decided to leave Apple to spend more time with his family. The other two declined to comment. Who knows if there's been internal strife there? I just... It's weird when you we used to consider Apple one of the top design companies, and they are still there, but we haven't seen, they haven't even really been given the liberty to flex their muscle with some of the latest products. And also sometimes some of the design choices with the products have been like, what? Like, come on, the notch? No. That was, that. I st- look, I'm not going to continue to bitch about it, but that's just trash. So maybe they need some new blood or maybe some of these guys are kind of fed up. I I think that it shows a signal of some of the classic stuff we've been able to see and use and those design sensibilities may not be there. And it's another reason why I continue to pound that SJ helped make Apple's design team great by how picky he was about things, by 
how specific he was about things, and how he would really give them a, a specific parameters to work within, and they would have to meet that. And if he didn't like it, he didn't like that. He didn't like it. You know? You're telling me that... you telling me that I say would have been cool with the notch? I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to play that game because people get mad when we play that game. So anyways, three long-time designers leaving Apple's design team. In addition to that, we talked about the AirPods... I don't know, maybe people have kind of become lukewarm on the AirPods or we're just used to them now. But a new story coming out from Ming-Chi Kuo kind of shook things up a little bit for me. Apple will likely launch two new AirPod models as early as the fourth quarter of 2019. Remember that the AirPods 2, or we, we call them the AirPods 2, Apple just calls them the new AirPods. I've liked to call them AirPods 1.5 from even before they came out. Well, those... Those guys, right, they brought the Siri hands-free functionality. They brought longer battery life, and they brought faster syncing over Bluetooth. That is really AirPods 1.5. In the latest research note by Quo, he says that the two new AirPods will likely go into mass production sometime in the fourth quarter of 2019 and the first quarter of 2020. Okay, that's when they go into production, but... He does believe there's a chance that they will still be seen in there. They could be seen in the fourth quarter of 2019. And the only way that that happens to me is if AirPods 2 just aren't selling that great. And they think they really need a catalyst for that. I don't know. We'll see. Now, the good, the interesting thing is one of the new AirPods will feature an all new form factor design and to go along with it, a higher price, according to the report, than the second-generation AirPods. Right now, we know the second-gen AirPods cost $159 with the standard charging case that you have to physically plug in. You also have $199 for the wireless charging case. The other model is expected to be kind of a more iterative update with the same current pricing. Quo also adds, right, the positive demand is there for the AirPods, but it could re- boost the replacement demand. I know there's a lot of people that were like, I'm good off. I'm good with my current AirPods unless their battery was dying from the first first gen one. Could you, re- do you really want air another? Would you be happy or would you be frustrated with air another type of AirPods in 2019? My gut tells me that we'll most likely see these in 2020. I don't think there's a need to, but part of this really comes down to how the air power kind of shifted a lot of plans with the AirPods. I think that's really what threw them off more than anything. The timing of all this. These AirPods 1.5 should have been released a year ago, not two years later. That's just how I feel. So we'll see what happens. Also in a follow-up to the Intel and Apple and Qualcomm settlements, remember Apple all of a sudden out of nowhere settled with Qualcomm and then just hours later Intel made an announcement that they would be departing from the smartphone 5G modem business. We got a comment from the Wall Street Journal, specifically from Intel CEO Bob Swan. He said here, and I quote, in light of the announcement of Apple and Qualcomm, we assessed the prospects for us to make money while delivering this technology for smartphones and concluded at that time that we just didn't see a path. Now, this suggests to me, and this is what my hunch was, that Intel was surprised by the Apple Qualcomm settlement. 
I don't think Apple told Intel because honestly, Apple doesn't do that and Apple wouldn't, would not have wanted to be beaten to the punch in there. They would not have wanted Intel to come out and say, hey, we're not making modems, smartphone 5G modems anymore. Apple would have wanted to beat them to the punch. Therefore, I still think that Apple did the settlement with Qualcomm, knew that things weren't going so well, and then Intel had to react. Now that's, again, that's the statement Intel saying. We all know in this world, there's always spin from both sides to tell you what they want you to know. Or sometimes you can't say anything at all. Hmm. Now, it does suggest that Intel reacted from Apple. Multiple reports earlier told us that Intel was unable to meet Apple's demands for the 5G modems in 2020. So, you know, Intel is not going to build any smartphone 5G modems without Apple being their customer. But they also made it clear that they're still going to be in the business. They have other equipment. They'll still be providing the 4G LTE modems for the iPhone in 2019. So those phones still won't work as well as the Qualcomm ones. Thanks, guys. But that's the latest. I I thought that was interesting, though. Intel, you know, dropping their mobile 5G business because Apple was really their only major customer. Now, you may think you don't have the time to read a book or to develop yourself. Social media can take up way too much time. Well, guess what? The Blinkist app helps solve this problem. Blinkist is the only app that takes the best key takeaways, the need to know information from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down so you can read or listen to 15-minute segments. Blinkist is for busy people who want to get the main points of their books quickly without reading the entire book. 8 million people are using Blinkist right now, and it has a massive and growing library from so many nonfiction topics, including self-help, business, health, and history. Now, I've read and listened to these books, and I highly recommend you check out two of them. First up, The 4-Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss. It'll probably work better for you than for me because, you know, I'm just hustling nonstop, but it shows you how you can empower yourself to be independent and build a life and work on your own terms. The second book, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. This one gives you some of the basic rules to know about how to really make a good first impression, whether it's in jobs, in life. We all know how important that is. So for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer for just our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash AppleBits to start your free seven-day trial. Now, I checked out the site. I like Blinkist because I can really just get the important stuff I need to know in 15 minutes. So when I'm in that lovely LA traffic, it helps me out to kind of really fast-track myself to be more informed and inspired. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash AppleBits to start your free seven-day trial that's blinkist.com slash apple bits and if you'd like a completely ad-free version of the show no ads whatsoever you can support my patreon at patreon.com slash brian tong starting at two dollars a month if you think i'm worth a cup of coffee per month that's five dollars we have higher tiers higher rewards and you know what it covers all the production that i pretty much do on my own for this all my video content and thank you so much for all of you that are supporting and continue to support again an ad-free version at patreon.com slash brian tom all right we got some psas for all you apple fans out there the for those that don't know psa stands for public service announcement but this is really just an announcement for a heads up for y'all Apple has voluntarily recalled some of the older three-prong wall plug adapters due to risk of electrical shock. This is important. Today, they announced a voluntary recall 
This is primarily for the three-prong power adapters used in for Hong Kong, Singapore, and United Kingdom. So they kind of have that rounded, triangular shape. There's a top pin that's like a, a thicker rectangle, and then the two prongs on the bottom. Apple says that in very rare cases, some of these affected three-prong wall adapters may break and create a risk of electrical shock if touched. These affect plug adapters shipped with the Mac and certain iOS devices between 2003 and 2010. Good Lord. They were also included in the Apple World Travel Adapter Kit. Apple says it's aware of six incidences worldwide and asked customers to stop using the affected plug adapters immediately. Their customer safety is a top priority. Apple will exchange the affected wall plug adapters with a new adapter free of charge. So just a heads up. Be a look on that if you use those. Don't get shacked. Also, as of this recording, which is the 25th of April, which is a Thursday, this marks a month since Apple announced its Apple News Plus subscription service, which means if you signed up on March 25th, which was the day of the event after they made the announcement, you're going to start getting charged $9.99 a month. So if you don't want that, you don't want to do that, you got to open up your Apple News app. Uh, on the bottom, there's an icon on your phone that says following on the bottom right-hand corner. If you're using an iPad, you got to put it in landscape mode and use the sidebar or actually, you don't need to be in landscape mode, but you got to use the sidebar in the bottom of that. You'll also see uh, the following tab. It's called following. Choose manage subscriptions and then tap on cancel free trial. I'll tell you, I just so I wouldn't mix mess this up because I know a lot of us do. I canceled after two and a half weeks, maybe even a week and a half. I just didn't use it enough. I don't have the time also, but even when I travel, I have very specific magazines. I'm not saying the service is bad. I'm just saying that it really, you really need to be someone who uses this enough to take full advantage of it. Otherwise, I would suggest, yeah, cancel the free trial or maybe give it another month. An estimated 200,000 people signed up for Apple News Plus during the first 48 hours after the service launched. I'm going to estimate 100,000 of those people will forget to cancel their subscription and still end up paying. That is surprisingly enough, think about this. The 200,000 people that signed up for Apple News Plus was more users than Texture had at its peak. Texture was the magazine app that they acquired. That's kind of crazy. So we'll find out how many continue to use the service. Remember, Apple doesn't report numbers anymore, and they only report stuff if they really want to brag about it. But Apple News Plus, hopefully, if you didn't really want to keep that subscription, today, as of this recording, is the day. If you hear this a day later, well, then you missed out and you're you're paying $9.99. There you go. Some interesting news. Apple gets top marks on the tech support showdown list. Now, this is a kind of a survey or a test or process that Laptop Mag's annual annually goes through. So it's designed to kind of help customers determine, hey, which companies are offering the most reliable customer service in the tech industry. Now, when you take their aggregate score, Apple received a 91 out of 100 based on their benchmark, earning 54 points for its web-based tech support and 37 points for its phone-based tech support. Now, the way they break this down is they give 60 points as the max score for web support and 40 points for the max score of iPhone, or sorry, excuse me, for phone support. So Apple had a 54 
and a 37 compared to a 60 and a 40 max. The other, the highest uh, web support score was for Razer, which came in at a 58. The highest phone support score came in from Apple. Now, they also said live chat was determined to be the best Apple support experience. They set them up with a variety of specific questions about dark mode in macOS Mojave, disabling automatic updates, and turning off webcams, something that is actually not possible, and then base the results on that benchmark. Now, I do have to tell you that I recently have told you kind of this ongoing issue that I have with my MacBook Pro speakers popping and then eventually a software update fixing it and then eventually the speakers completely getting blown out. I've been talking to Apple back and forth probably about the last month and ultimately after diagnosing it, they finally um, decided to actually replace my laptop, which was awesome. But, you know, my situation sucked i'm not the one that just because a product breaks yeah you can get mad at people but i just kind of take the measured approach and say hey let's just get this fixed and see how they approach it and it got fixed did it take longer than i wanted the good thing is that my computer was still usable to edit and cut video and all that stuff but you know it got done and so i have to say that's a good apple yeah i mean it always is a good apple when it gets fixed i guess or replaced it is bad that it had to get replaced. Hey, uh, you know whose birthday it was this week? It was the Apple Watch. The Apple Watch launched four years ago to as of today. This week. Remember, the Series 1 Apple Watch, which, for the record, I was not impressed about with. I wasn't. I liked how it looked. I loved this. The funny thing is, the thing I liked about the Apple Watch Series 1, specifically, is I just liked how it looked. More than anything else, I got that crazy steel link bracelet that they don't make anymore. Not the uh, kind of chain chain one, but the, the steel link one that people are like, where'd you get that? I'm like, well, they don't make it anymore. So I kind of wore it honestly more for fashion being like, oh man, I wish this was better. Series four, it took them four years, but good Lord, series four, that thing is amazing. They finally got it right. It took them a, it took them a few years, but I would... I could recommend the Apple Watch to anyone who's on an iPhone that's looking for a smartwatch. That's, and can afford it, obviously. It's not cheap. Anyways, four years ago, it was created. It came with a lot of hoopla. I think the Apple Watch, I'm, I'm most surprised about the fact that I own more Apple Watch bands than I thought I would. Once in a while, when you want to mix up the color and change it with your outfits, if you're into that. I mean, yeah. Who isn't, guy? Come on, who isn't? Anyways, Apple Watch, fourth birthday. And if you're kind of curious and you were thinking about getting an Apple Watch, but you weren't sure or the pricing was too high, this is something to think of. Refurbished Apple Watch Series 4s are now available from Apple up to $110 off. Now, refurbs go fast. What are they? They're just as good as new. Maybe a part has been replaced or the product was returned. They're also still under the exact same warranty as if someone bought it on day one, they are physically, they don't have any scratches or any looks like they've been used. They are basically like getting it brand new, but it was owned for a while. Now, depending on the model you want, there's some 40 to 44 millimeter sizes, respectively with a $60 discount. Right now, I think gold and space gray are showing as available. The GPS and cellular model 
which is normally $589 for the 40 millimeter and $639 for the 44 millimeter, going for $110 off the list price. Yeah, it's expensive, but that's a pretty that's a pretty good deal if you ask me. So, anyways, you can check it out. Go to the Apple Store and they have a refurbished section, and you can check it out. Um, but if you're you were kind of on the fence, maybe that maybe that kind of puts you over, and you end up getting it. All right, let's check out our voicemails right now. We got five of them, only one from the call in line. Others from the voice memo. You can call in at 833-888-ABXL. That's 833-888-2295. Y'all better call in if you want to keep it alive or loving the voice memos, applebitsshow at gmail.com, applebits with a Z. So let's get to the voicemails. We're going to kick things off with our man, Tay. Hello, Brian. This is Tay from Seoul, Korea. I want to talk about the latest rumor on AirPods. So our man Ming-Chi Kuo just dropped a new rumor, or an analysis rather, that two versions of AirPods are to be released starting later this year. And if he's right on this very weird product timeline of Apple, I think we can blame this all on the AirPower. Um, We should have known when we had rumors of AirPods 1.5 and AirPods 2 confusing us. The AirPower really messed up Apple's marketing plan more than I could imagine and made this kind of traffic jam for AirPods. Um, I want to know your thoughts on this as well, and thank you. Bye. What up, Tay? Thanks so much. Hey, um, I think it's absolutely what happened because if you look on the packaging of the AirPods and the wireless charging case, it says 2018. And so these, these were good to go by 2018, but they were waiting on the AirPower mat, and that pushed it out a whole lot. So if... If Apple's smart, I mean, look, maybe I'll maybe I'll uh, look back at this and you guys can all call me out for this. If Apple's smart, they shouldn't release new AirPods this year. Just wait till 2020. What's the rush? The demand is still high, but I do blame for a- Apple for delaying the AirPods. It sh- this should have come out last year, and then maybe we could have seen the next the true next gen AirPods at the end of this year. Could have happened, but it didn't. All right, next up, Julio. Hey, Brian, this is Julio from North Carolina, long-time listener. I was calling in regards to Apple TV and their new network that they're trying to get started up. I'm wondering if this is going going to eventually convert the movie and uh, <clears throat> show section and kind of sort of what iTunes did with their Apple Music and charging a monthly fee uh, instead of having to buy CDs and albums all the time, but now paying a subscription service to pay for movies and watch whatever movie I want to watch uh, at any time to include the shows. Do you think then that's going to convert eventually? Uh, uh, what do you think? Or maybe part of the package, because that would be pretty sweet. I used to pay $10, $12 for an album. Movies cost about $15, $20 for a movie. What do you think? Anyway, hashtag save the phone line. Hashtag bad apple if you don't call in. Bye. Hey, Julio's been making his own hashtags for the show. Hashtag bad apple if you don't call in. It's a long one. So, Julio, here's what I think. I do not think Apple is going to have any type of uh, subscription service, at least if you're talking about, and it sounded like you're talking about specifically with its movies. Now, you also have to think this is why we won't see a 
you know, there won't be a bundle with their movies because quite honestly, they don't own the rights to that distribution. If you're a service like Netflix, then obviously, and look, Apple should be freaking scared of Disney Plus. Disney Plus is going to eat its lunch. You heard it here first. You'll hear it here for the rest of time. Disney Plus has all the content. It freaking has their acquisition of uh, 20th Century Fox. It has The Simpsons' entire series. Apple's going to have that. Apple's going to have all of their Disney shows and Disney movies and Disney archives and Star Wars and Marvel and Pixar and exclusive content that already sounds way more attractive than whatever Apple is mysteriously doing. Disney laid out the date. They laid out the price. I think even if you do a yearly subscription, is it like under six bucks a month? It was like, was it, was it five or somewhere? Yeah, not under five bucks, but yeah, under six bucks a month. Okay, Apple, we don't know what shows they're going to do. We don't know what shows they're going to be. We know that their content is kind of going to be for uh, typically little, little older demographic and older generation based on who they brought out. That's their subscription service. But they don't have partnerships or deals with movie studios to do anything like that. So you got their Apple News? Cool. You got their Apple Music? Cool. There, there won't be an Apple Movies subscription service based on the content that you can buy that's brand new. I'm trying no one no one has anything like that. When we're when I talk about movies, I'm talking about new releases, not a Netflix collection. Netflix is the place to go for that stuff. But again, new new releases? No. Not gonna happen. Maybe I'll be wrong, but not gonna happen. All right, let's hear what David has to say. Everyone's really starting to kind of talk about services and Apple TV. Hey, Brian, this is David over in San Antonio, Texas. Hey, I have a question for you. So with this new Apple TV app thing that's coming out on the TVs, what is the uh, what do you think the future is for the Apple TV set-top box? I mean, like me, for instance, I have two of them for my girls in their rooms, and then I have the, the Apple TV 4 and then the Apple TV 4K. Uh, I'm just wondering, do you think they're going to stop supporting those? Because uh, there's less of a driver for people to buy these boxes now if they're just going to get it for free on their TV. So, uh, yeah, what do you think is going to happen with the Apple TV set-top box, the physical one that costs $200 to buy? you think they're going to keep making them, or you think they're going to stop making it and just call it a day and uh, maybe put that money somewhere else? Thanks, bud. Keep up the great work. What up, David? Thanks so much for calling. Uh, I think this is what's going on with Apple TV specifically, and this is why I complained about it, I think maybe at least two or three months ago. Apple completely screwed it up in the living room. Because right now, what 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 do they really need to upgrade on the Apple TV that's going to be a value add? A faster processor? Because unless they bring one that has Siri built in and home connectivity, making it the center of the home, almost like an Apple TV, Apple Home TV Plus, Apple HomePod TV Plus, there, there's, there's not much that is going to be compelling. So my take and my hunch, it already supports Dolby Atmos. It already supports Dolby Vision. They're going to probably ride, ride out with this Apple TV 4K for a while until the new stuff that they're coming requires a new processor. If they do release a new Apple TV with a new processor and that's all it gets, ladies and gentlemen, do not buy it. Don't buy it. They're, they're really, the next thing they can put out that might have any significance would be an Apple TV 8K, 
or an Apple TV that, and even if they did an Apple TV with HomePod functionality, which should have, which is what it really should have been and what they were looking at before they decided to like just make a speaker with a limited Siri, I, I still don't think it's worth it because Amazon and Google are doing better things in the home space, even if, yes, the privacy is not as much, but you can do so much with those devices in your home. And if they really want to listen to me chewing my food in a room, fine. I got nothing to hide. They can they can listen as much as they want. Okay, not really. So they're not going to stop making an Apple TV, but I think the the upgrade lifecycle on that is going to be pretty, pretty slow and drawn out. And even if they give us an advanced processor, I'm just going to be like, why? That's just like an iPhone XS from an iPhone X for me. What's the point right now? Really? All right, Nick now, he wants to know about the Apple TV too. Yo, BTZ, it's your man Nick from Austria. You know, the crap apps guy. So we are in the market for a new Apple TV. And you said in one of your podcast episodes to not buy one at the moment. So I was wondering what kind of update do you expect for the Apple TV? Thanks and love your show. Peace. Okay, uh... Nick dropping the piece at the end. <laughs> uh, what are my recommendations for buying an Apple TV? It depends on how much you need it. If you were buying a new 4K TV and you don't have a 4K Apple TV and the Apple TV is the center of your home, I would say consider getting an Apple TV 4K. That make That's really the only place where it makes sense. And if you're getting a 4K TV and it's 55 inches, don't get a new Apple TV 4K. Get it if you're talking about 65, 75, or bigger. But 55-inch 4K TV, it's more of the benefits of HDR that you're getting than actual 4K resolution. So that would be my advice to you. And if you're still cool and on what you have, then don't worry about it. Like, we don't always have to buy stuff, you know, especially with how the products are just iterating at a slower pace. I think that there's a recent report at, about some carriers where people aren't upgrading their phones nearly as much as they used to now. It's it's more on a two-year-plus life cycle. And to that, I respond, make something compelling to have people really want to upgrade. If you, if you come out with a super compelling phone, yeah, sure. And I know it's hard to do every year. It's really hard. But then maybe what, like, just do do something better. That's all it comes down to. All right. We also got a call from Jesse. He wants to talk about something else. Hey, bro. Uh, soy Jesse from Chicago. How you doing, man? Hey, I uh, just wanted to tell you <laughs> I'm a huge fan from, from you uh, about everything about Apple because I've been Apple from uh, probably ni- 1996, I guess, somewhere around that, when it started... Uh, the iPhone and everything, but I don't know. I remember, but dude, changes changing worse. Uh, what do you think about the movie? Talking about something else about Apple. What about the movie, The Avengers? What is your thoughts, man? I love the movie. What's up? Okay. <laughs> First of all, thank you so much for the support. I already told you, you're not gonna get spoilers here. How about this? If you've been invested in the MCU for 10 years now, the emotional connection to these characters is unlike any other, and I think there's you get the payoff you deserve. 
That's all I'm gonna say. Go see it. And don't see it once. Go see it twice, because you're gonna need to see it twice. All right, that's gonna do it for this show. Thank you so much to all of the Patreon supporters that continue to support this show. I gotta give my shout out to my Platinum Apples, Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frater, Jarrett Lewis, and Calvin Fatikar at the $100 Patreon level. Thank you so much. That's patreon.com slash Tong. And again, to support this show, what I'd love to do, hear from you, five-star review on iTunes or whatever the podcast app you're at. Also, reviewing it is huge. So I see a lot of people give that rating. If you can add reviews to it, that makes it even better. And sharing the show with your friends because, you know, we got the good stuff here. So thank you so much for listening and supporting. And also, you know, let me know if if you want me to do an Avengers Endgame special episode. Let me know. It's up to you. All right, everybody. Take care. Have a great week. Have a great Avengers Endgame week. We'll talk to you soon. Be safe. Peace.